and it is time once again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Carlos Lebronis, and welcome to another episode of The Touchdown Report. And in today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about head coaches, specifically ex-Patriots head coaches or ex-Patriots personnel turned head coaches. So if you guys don't know, or backstory to say the least, the New England Patriots have been considered one of the most successful franchises of the 20th century, 21st century for the most part. Um, Bill Belichick has been the mastermind for the Patriots in helping them win Super Bowls. And it's always been a theme that people have said that ex-Patriots personnel that get hired as head coaches don't pan out as fans would want them to. And as a result, everybody talks about how they are busts. So in today's video, I wanted to talk about some of these head coaches and kind of list them off and basically say how did their careers turn out as head coaches because most of these guys have either been head coaches and were fired or are still currently head coaches just on different teams. So I wanted to kind of dive into that and kind of give an idea as to what I felt about each head coach. What did I like their hire? Did I not? It just definitely would be interesting to talk about. Now, obviously, before we get started, I want to say thank you for all the support, as well as a big thank you to Jonathan for continuing to edit these. But without further ado, we're not going to waste any more time. Let's get started. So the first guy that we're going to talk about is, of course, the guy that I think has been the most quote-unquote successful coach in the NFL from the Patriots, Bill O'Brien. So Bill O'Brien was an um, offensive coordinator for the Patriots in 2011, where he helped guide the Patriots' offense to essentially get to the postseason and make it in the playoffs. And it was eventually, he was then hired, I think, around 2014, as he was hired as the Houston Texans' new head coach, around there. And it was actually a very impressive hire, because at the same time, this was coming off the Texans when they went 2-14, and and they had the first overall pick. So new regime, new picks, new building blocks. So how did they fare? Bill O'Brien, as a head coach, wasn't actually that bad in his career he went 52 wins and 48 losses so an all county has a winning record so that's pretty good and in the postseason he went two and four which is which is impressive now the guy actually has been a very good head coach he had five winning seasons in, in eight years with the texans so think about that five winning records in eight years that's pretty good production for a head coach like him and this was a guy that basically was given a lot of great pieces. He was a guy that was given pieces like DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney. He basically inherited a Texans team that was basically on the building blocks of going up and basically coached them from there. And as a result, the team got better as a result, and they eventually made the postseason multiple times. It was always interesting because the Texans were always said to be a team that could always make the postseason but never go too far, which was always a theme with the, with the team. Now, unfortunately, he was fired in 2020 after an 0-4 start to his uh, year. And again, this was coming off of the previous year when they made it all the way to the AFC Divisional Round game. Now, this is partly improper because of that same year when he was fired, he had been promoted to the general manager position. So, basically, what happened was the Texans fired their GM at the time, and they wanted to replace him. But they didn't know who, and so at the last minute, they actually gave Bill O'Brien both head coaching duties and offense and a general manager duties, which was a little bit bizarre because he was a good coach, but I wouldn't know if he was a good, um, you know, general manager. 
And it panned out in that way. He has been mainly credited for trading away DeAndre Hopkins, an all-pro wide receiver, to the Cardinals for David Johnson, an injury-prone running back, and a couple picks. And he was also known for having destroyed the trust that he had with Deshaun Watson that ultimately led to Watson basically sitting out an entire year and ultimately being traded to the Cleveland Browns. And as of right now, he is now the current offensive coordinator for the Alabama College team of Crimson Tide. So you could say that Bill O'Brien's tenure in Houston was pr probably the most successful. He had the most winning seasons out of any of these head coaches, and he helped build a team around him to make the postseason. But he's also credited for also destroying that team with guys like J.J. Watt, Andre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, and many others eventually getting angry and leaving. J.J. Watt ended up going to the Cardinals after signing there. Deshaun Watson obviously got the trade. So obviously, he was not only credit for winning them there, but also losing everything he had built around. So that's pretty unfortunate. But he definitely is the quote-unquote best head coach out of all of these guys because of his record and such. Next up, we're going to look at Brian Flores. He is the second head coach we'll be talking about. Now, he was the defensive play caller for the 2018 Patriots defense. Now, many people say, isn't that defensive coordinator? It actually isn't. He actually was not defensive coordinator that year. He just called the defensive plays, but he wasn't given that title. And he was credited for helping the Patriots have a very good defense that won him the Super Bowl that, that year against the Los Angeles Rams, led by Sean McVay. And ultimately, he got the head coaching job at Miami. So when Brian Flores went to Miami, he had a difficult task because this team was basically on the rebuilding side of things. So he definitely was going to have to be given more time to rebuild this team. And I mean, his record kind of shows it. He had a 24 and 25 record with no postseason appearances. So he had almost a, about a 50 record as a head coach but no postseason appearances, which is a little bit depressing, which is a little bit upsetting. But here's the thing, though. He has, of his three-year tenure there, he has two winning seasons. And in 2021, a lot of fans looked at him as a very good head coach. He took a Dolphins team that started the year, that year, one and seven, guys, and he ended the year nine and eight. Had they had won one more game, guys, they would have made it into the postseason, ironically. But unfortunately, after three years... He was fired by the team. And this shook a lot of people to the core because a lot of people said that Brian Flores was a good head coach. He had built a lot of trust in Miami, and he was building a nice culture there. The players respected him. The coaches loved him. He definitely looked as though to have been a guy that could, after that year, potentially take the Dolphins even higher, especially since he was the one that had... Um, to a tongue of Iloa to develop as his quarterback. Now, the reason why I kind of feel bad for him, and a lot of people have, because a lot of people think that he was screwed over of his job. I think after he was fired, he eventually filed lawsuits against the Giants, the Broncos, and the Dolphins. For the Giants and the Broncos, he filed them because of racial discrimination in job interviews, because he basically said that he went to these interviews to try and get head coaching jobs, but the teams basically either rushed his um, interview process to make it look like they were interested, but not really, or they didn't treat him as a valid candidate for the position. And again, these were the Giants and the Broncos, two teams that would have wanted somebody like Brian Flores, who had just took a Dolphins team 1-7 to 9-8. and eight. I don't see what the issue is here. But the main problem was obviously with the Dolphins owner, because allegedly... Brian Flores said that the owner of his of the Dolphins 
was telling him that he was going to give him or offer him a $100,000 bonus or basically $100,000 for every game that Brian Flores threw in 2019. So this so the owner of the Dolphins allegedly basically was going to pay Brian Flores an extra $100,000 for every game he would throw just so the Dolphins would get a better draft pick. Now, it is not 100% confirmed if this is actually true, as the owner has denied it. But if it is true, that is downright horrendous. A coach basically being told, throw games to get us a better draft pick, and I'll give you $100,000. That's pretty bad. So, and obviously Brian Flores is now an assistant coach on the Steelers team, which, you know, I praise him for, you know, getting another job. I appreciate, I hope he does well. But this is obviously a pretty sad one in terms of losing. Because again, he had started building something good in Miami. And just to have that be ripped away after three years, it's kind of upsetting. And again, anybody would want Brian Flores as a defensive coordinator or head coach. He was doing really well. But unfortunately, the tables were not in his favor, and as a result, he was ultimately given the axe. Next up, we have probably the most recent head coach so far, Josh McDaniels. He was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots for about a good amount of time uh, in New England. He's usually been credited for the Patriots' offense being so good and helping Brady go to multiple playoffs, multiple performances, MVPs, all that stuff. Now, he was actually... Um, hired first as the Broncos head coach before he was ultimately given the Raiders head coaching job. So this is pretty interesting. So in his year in Denver, he had an 11-17 and record with no postseason appearances. So basically, he was there for about two years. In his first year with the Broncos, they went 8-8. Eight eight. Not bad for a head coach, especially one that had just uh, come off the Patriots, so not bad. But then the following year, he went 3-9 and nine and was fired after 12 games, which is kind of interesting. Josh McDaniels has usually been credited as the guy that drafted Tim Tebow and Demarius Thomas in that 2010 draft class before he ultimately left. So, yeah, one guy is really good, Demarius Thomas. Tim Tebow, not as great, but, you know, not as horrible. Now, one of the things that was interesting was that McDaniels had a lot of controversy with him in his time in Denver. Apparently, he was involved in 2010 videotaping scandals where apparently he filmed the other side of the field, the head coaches, and their signals to try and figure out what they were doing. And apparently, he had some very big beef or issues with Jay Cutler, the quarterback for the Broncos at the time, that ultimately led him to being traded to the Bears, which is insane. And as of right now... That was his only major head coaching job before his time in Oakland. So after he basically went to Denver, he was then fired and he went back to New England. And he was there for a good amount of years. I believe it was in 2017, actually, he was offered the Colts head coaching job and he actually accepted it. But then at the last minute, he pulled out and said he didn't want to be a head coach there and rather wanted to stay in New England. This had a lot of media spurring because a lot of people hated that idea. The fact that he pulled out at the last second to not take the job and just stick as the offense coordinator and stay with New England for a couple more years. Now he's in Oakland and the team has definitely struggled since his kind of debut there. And a lot of people may ask me, well, isn't that expected? But again, this Raiders team last year made the postseason with a, with a special team's 
coordinator as their head coach after their head coach had been fired. So I'm not seeing anything good from the Raiders so far. And Josh McDaniels' so far tenure in Oakland has kind of been a little bit disappointing. But if evidence is to say, he likely will be doing the same thing he did in Oakland as he did in Denver. So, you know, here's hoping for those Raiders fans. Another head coach we'll talk about, or this one's an interesting one, Eric Mangini. He was a 2005 defensive coordinator for the Patriots, and he was ultimately given head coaching jobs as the Jets and the Browns head coach. So this is actually very fun. In his tenure as a head coach for the Jets and the Browns, he had a 33-47 and record as a head coach. And actually, he went to the postseason, but he ultimately lost in the first round. <laughs> in his five-year tenure as head coach, so he spent three years, I believe it was with the Jets and two of the Browns, or vice versa around there. He um, basically had um, two winning seasons in five years. And basically, he was the Jets head coach from 06 to 08, and then the Browns head coach from 09 to 10. And he's usually been credited as fostering the Chad Pennington Comeback Player of the Year Award in 08, which is really interesting. Because that was actually a year where I believe that they went into the postseason as the Jets, um, I think that was their first winning year, but ultimately they would lose. Eric Mangini as a whole, I would say, wasn't an amazing head coach. Because again, the signs have said that uh, he has a losing record to his name. And probably one of the more surprising things was that, the, um, like I said, the one year he had a winning record, he had a comeback player of the year at his, at his side, which has been pretty nice for the most part. As of right now, his last stint as basically a coach and whatnot, after his time with the Browns, after they fired him, he then went to San Francisco in 2013 to be their offensive consultant. And it was actually there that he actually got some time in San Francisco. In 2013, he was his offensive consultant. In 2014, he was the tight ends coach for the 49ers. And then in 2015, he took over as defensive coordinator for the team. Ironically, though, 2015 was actually the year where the Niners had one of the worst defenses in the league. So I'm not seeing how that worked out. (laughs) Um, But hey, his career has been interesting, I will say that. Especially for a guy who has had three Super Bowls to his name. And he also was the 2006 AFC Coach of the Year. So you know what? Not half bad for him. Next up, we're going to talk about Romeo Crennel. He was the defensive coordinator from the 01-04 Patriots, which was a pretty good year. I'm pretty sure that was the year when they won a good amount of Super Bowls, I believe. And then it was ultimately he became the Browns head coach, the Chiefs head coach, and the Texans head coach. So he had three different stints as head coach for teams, which is actually really, really interesting. His tenure is all over the place. In total, he has a 32-63 and 63 record. So, and if you guys are wondering, well, how do you break it down? Well, this is how. He went 24-40 and 40 in Cleveland. 4-15 and 15 in Kansas City, and then 4-8 and eight in Houston. This man actually has only one winning season in six years as a head coach. Now, many people may say, well, what exactly are you saying? Is he a good head coach or not? Well, when he was hired in Cleveland, he was supposed to be, you know, a catalyst for this team. And he was supposed to basically guide them to the future. I believe... What happened was he was the head coach around when the Browns were trying to actually make a push to the postseason, but they kept 
failing time and time again. And then they ultimately decided to let go of his ties. His Kansas City tenure was actually an interesting one because it was in that year where they were part of a tanking season. And I think he was the head coach that resided over their 2-14 and season, which is kind of, um, let's just say it wasn't fun if you're definitely a head coach like that um, trying to motivate your team. And then his time in Houston when he went 4-8, and eight, guys, was because it was the year that Bill O'Brien was fired. So he basically took over as the head coach, and he had to reside over the rest of that year for his team. So you can clearly see that this head coach has definitely not benefited from the team that he has been around for the most part. Again, his time in Cleveland was probably his best chance to be a head coach with a winning record, but unfortunately, he just didn't have that, which is unfortunate. As a coach, though, you know, he has five Super Bowls to his name, which is surprising. Um, with, obviously, the Patriots, you know, go figure. Um, but unfortunately, as his time in Cleveland showed, he wasn't that great. And then his time in Kansas City knows it's not great. <laughs> and Houston, equally as well. I don't give him much flack versus the last two guys who I'll give a lot of flack to because his tenured in Cleveland was bad. I will say that. But when he took over Kansas City and we took over Houston, it was clear he wasn't going to stay there the entire year. He was just there to help guide the team through a season after they had fired their previous head coaches. So, you know what? I'm not going to give him too much flack because, you know, he's not that bad. And that's the thing with most of these other guys. Like I said, Bill O'Brien, he wasn't horrible, but, you know, he definitely did bad things in for his team. Bill O'Brien... Um, Brian Flores, I think, was a way better coach than Bill, but I think he definitely got the short end of the stick when it came to being cut. Josh McDaniels has been a disaster so far, and Eric Mangini hasn't really, you know, panned out as many fans want him to. But these next two coaches, I'll definitely give a lot more flack to. So let's start first with the most recent firing, or actually two of the most recent firings, but let's start with this first one, Matt Patricia. Defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots from the 2012 to 2017 seasons before ultimately taking it over as the head coach of the Detroit Lions. So Matt Patricia, you guys, if you don't know, he was the mastermind of the Patriots defense from 2012 to 2017 where they won more Super Bowls, basically. I mean, go figure, the Patriots winning Super Bowls. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> um, so he was brought in to Detroit to basically elevate them to a next step. Now, here's the thing, guys. When Patricia was hired, it wasn't to do a rebuild of a team. Unlike many of these head coaches where they were hired to essentially rebuild teams at their times and basically try and help them out, he was hired when the Lions were actually not half bad of a team. And he was basically said, we just need you to get them to the next level, past the wild card round, past the division round. We're trying to say NFC Championship game. So his tenure in, in Detroit, though, was not great. In three years, 13 wins, 29 losses, and one tie. Patricia struggled to find consistency on offense, and it was partly because, you know, he had um, an aging Matthew Stafford at the helm. Most of his receivers were definitely injured to hell, and his running game was very much up in the air. His defense, which again is Matt Patricia's specialty, struggled to find ways to kind of, you know, generate turnovers and stop the offense. He had issues with Darius Slay, big play Slay, a fan favorite cornerback in Detroit, and it got so bad that that 
Slay actually asked for and got a trade because he didn't want to play with Patricia anymore. And it was pretty bad. And ultimately, this team was fired. Uh, not team was fired. The team fired him after three years. So why am I hitting on him more than others? Well, his predecessor that he replaced was way better. Here's the thing, guys. Before Patricia, the, the Lions head coach was Jim Caldwell, who wasn't half bad of a head coach. He actually was a very good a playmaker, uh, play caller, sorry, and actually helped this team overall. His record in Detroit, Jim Caldwell, he was 36-28 and 28 in Detroit and had three winning seasons, including two playoff appearances. So think about that. Caldwell took over the Lions when they were at the bottom of the league, and he took them to three winning seasons and two postseason appearances. He did not have a bad record at all. He had a winning record. He had a winning record, and he had guided this team to twice to the postseason. But the Lions ultimately decided to let him go because he couldn't get them any further. And I think this was the biggest fail that the Lions did. You know, cutting a coach that had won games and was there, just not there yet, and then replacing with somebody who had no experience beforehand and basically saying, we just need you to get us there and then further, and he just did not deliver, which is very interesting. I think Patricia was definitely the worst of those hires, and now he's returned to New England, I believe is what it was, which is kind of saddening. And finally, the last head coach we'll talk about, guys, of the Patriots regime, it is Joe Judge, the special teams coordinator for the Patriots in 2015-2019, who was ultimately given in the head coaching job of the New York Giants. So if you guys don't know, special team coordinators are very interesting hires by any team, to say the least. The thing, the reason being is because they don't have much offensive or defensive coordinator experiences. So when they're basically brought in, they have to now learn entirely different playbooks, entirely different styles, and try to understand both sides of the ball versus how if you're one-minded, you know one thing more than the other, and you just have to practice on the other. He had to do both. And he was basically taking over a Giants team that was... For lack of a better word, very bad. <laughs> so how did he do? Well, he went in two years, 10 and 23 with no winning seasons. He had an injury-plagued team with him during his tenure. Saquon Barkley, who was considered one of the best running backs in the league, was injured for many years that he was with them, um, especially when Judge took over. And Daniel Jones' offense was just bad in general. And it wasn't even that. He had in two inch and in his two years, a lot of stuff happened, guys. In 2020, the team had a six and ten record. But he faced criticism because he in week 17 of that year. So basically, let me put you, let me paint the scenario. The Giants were six and ten, and they needed one thing to happen. They needed a team to win and another team to lose in order for them to get into the postseason. Remind you, I'm saying this. A six and ten. Giants football team was going to make the postseason if this happened. And it was that the Washington Commanders had to lose had to lose to the Eagles and that the Eagles won the Giants were in. Basically what happened was he faced Christian because he called out the Philadelphia Eagles for intentionally throwing their week 17 game against the Commanders so that the Giants couldn't make it in. He basically was saying that 
you know, because what happened was the Eagles were rotating quarterbacks at that time. They had Carson Wentz for a couple of plays, and then they threw in Jalen Hurts for a couple, and then for some reason they threw in Nate uh, Studfeld in there. But basically, Judge called them out and said that he would he would not do something like that as a head coach, and that he would let the team play, and as a result, win the game. But many fans called him out, saying that there was no way a six and ten team should be making the postseason to begin with, and basically. And even head coaches for the Eagles, they were saying, like, that was preposterous. We're not going to helplessly win a game to you, for you to get in, especially, you know, in the way that we did it. Basically, they called them out by basically saying that just because they lost doesn't mean you have to throw a hissy fit because of it. And, again, it was the whole thing was a 6-10 and 10 team shouldn't be making the postseason to begin with, is what they were saying. But then in 2021, he faced even more criticism. Because he had a lot of plays in that year that many fans question as to, is he truly a head coach? Does he really know what he's doing? For instance, he challenged a non-reviewable scoring play that had happened. And if you guys know, why is that bad? Well, scoring plays are always reviewed, no matter what. So him challenging that just didn't make sense. He also had, apparently, a locker room rant post-game I think it was during a loss. Now, again, head coaches are supposed to be professional and try not to show much anger at their locker room. But apparently he did a rant in his locker room post-game. And then the highlight of it all was in one game that year, on a third and nine, he decided to do a quarterback sneak. Guys, third and nine, they did a quarterback sneak. That just shows you you don't know what you're doing as a head coach. And ultimately, he was fired after that year. And, well, it was definitely for the better. So, with that in mind, these are just some of the head coaches that, that were expatriates, uh, assistants and such, that ultimately got their chances in the NFL. What do I think of most of them? Well, most of them are not bad. I think Brian Flores was probably the best head coach out there just because of how impressive he was with his team. I think Bill O'Brien, if he was not given GM duties, if he was just the head coach, he could have definitely led these Texans to more winning seasons than they could have imagined. Guys like Eric Mangini and Romeo Crennel, they definitely took over teams that were in major rebuilding stages. And while it didn't pan out for the most part, they did have some wins versus nothing. But as of right now, guys like Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, they're definitely major failures in the NFL. And Josh McDaniels, well, we have to wait and see for that one. It's definitely safe to say that if you're a team hiring a head coach, Definitely don't try to purge him from the Patriots because we all know what happens next because it's either really good or really bad. And hey, Patriots fans, you can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt, you guys still have Matt Patricia, or not Matt Patricia, my bad. You guys still have Bill Belichick as your head coach because goddamn, I don't know what the league would be if he ever left New England. Just God, I, I, I could not. That'll wrap it up here, ladies and gentlemen. This is another episode done. I really hope you guys enjoyed this one. A little shorter one because I didn't want to bore you guys too long. Be sure to hit that like button and stay tuned because in the next video, we'll probably talk about some more interesting stuff. And I got a special one lined up for basically I'll be breaking down Hall of Fame players that are eligible this year and who I think will make the Hall this year. I'm very excited for that episode, so stay tuned for that one. Anyways, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed, and as always, have a good rest of your day. Take care.